You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Marco. Sean. I'm uh, tired of learning. I'll go play a Vita game or something. <laughs> Or go play soccer. <laughs> that would be like what I would do if I if I was tired of uh, learning when I was a kid. I would just go outside, play soccer, get on a bike, hurt myself, get up, hurt myself again, get up. Yeah. That's how I went all day long. I don't know, Roth, Kerry, do, do you guys uh, play soccer? Well, I grew up playing soccer. Morning, Sean. Morning, Marco. Um, yeah, I grew up playing soccer, I mean, it's still one of my favorite games. I mean, it's, it's so easy, isn't it? Just take a ball and you find an open field and just kick it around and, and it's amazing. Oh, it's I easy to it. play it. It's easy to be good at it. What, we could have a debate about well, that. Well, easy to play it. I'm good at it, I'm not sure. Easy to play. <laughs> but it is very, very democratic. It's a very democratic sport. You just need a ball. I love that. You just sure. need a ball. I mean, not even a ball. Sometimes we play soccer with a bunch of paper. <laughs> yeah, or a, a rolled uh, jacket, or I don't know, a T-shirt, yeah, whatever. Sock. Yeah. <laughs> Rafael, did you play soccer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is is that um, I mean it, it's sometimes called the world sport, and it's it's probably because it, it's the most elemental. Um, you know, if if you have a, a if you have your your foot or other body part and and a round object. Um, you know, you can take your knee, you can take your foot, and you you can kick or knock around uh, a ball or, or or something vaguely resembling a ball. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I you can make some money, some serious money from that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the irony—that's the irony, right? I mean, it's so it's such a cheap sport and to become such a big business. Think about yeah. that. Uh, that's probably that money is in the number, probably, huh? It, it, yeah. and FIFA is one of the largest. I mean, even if you if you move it away from the actual physical space, you look at FIFA, one of the biggest franchises in video games. It's been around for years and years and years. That's right. That's right. How about you, Sean? Did you play soccer or surfing as a LA boy? Surfing. Growing up? No soccer for yeah. me. Oh, well, no, no, no football. No, I no, I never really got into it i tried a few different sports but ended up uh yeah backpacking diving surfing those kind of things which aren't team sports necessarily but uh but things i enjoy doing so sailing that's good also a sport but again not not yeah, team racing sailing was a team sport pretty competitive that's not it that's not a cheap one I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking more than a ball and a couple feet for that one <laughs> yeah maybe skateboarding i can see that you can even make it your own right your own skateboard a surf it's not too expensive but yeah and how about learning i mean how about learning it's do you learn something when you when you play yeah yeah well so i i think that's that that's one of the interesting things about games, and 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 not just uh, not just video games, but really any type of, of game um, it involves learning. You know, if if you think about it, if you're doing play, um, it can be a sport, it can be an activity, it can be something structured, but um, there's something elemental in in play, and I think a lot of us in you know in in game development, we we respond to that because. Um, you know, there's this, this very kind of basic idea that 
from the beginning, we play in order to learn. Uh, we we socialize, we mimic, um, we you know we, we copy things that other people do. Um, we take on personas, we role play, um, but there's always this notion that from the moment that we can kind of function as, as babies and move around, we play because it's a way to practice things. It's a way to try things out. And, um, you know, whether it's motor skills to, to you know, to, to do the basics of, of, uh, of a sport, um, you know, which could be swimming, it could be running, uh, could be playing soccer, uh, or you know, it, it could be sitting down and playing with someone else, but you learn things through it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not, it, it's there in structured education, but like it's just there in every bit of learning that we do where we go, yes, you can, you can learn in a more structured way, but oftentimes the best way to start is just to play. Um, and I, and I agree, Raf. And I, I think I think uh, with games and not just uh, not just the physical part of it. If, if you look at virtual games, one of the things I've learned was that what it does it, it if you look at the, the the traditional method of learning, the structured method, it, it's sort of there's a there's a very specific level. Everybody's expected to learn at the same pace, uh, the same level, and there's some sort of you've got the whole bell curve situation. But I think with, with the whole video game stuff, besides the motor skills and the focus and stuff. If you look at the educational part of it, the learning happens at your own pace and, and without any peer pressure. And then you can find your groups or you can find your, your virtual groups and you can actually learn at your own pace. And I think that's that's a very powerful, that's a very powerful sort of um, learning mechanism. Because when, when you're in a structured situation where there's, there's few people who are at the top of the class and, and then there's few people at the bot, uh, bottom and then there's a majority of people in the, in the middle, there's always that push and pull, compete, and there's all of that um, sort of, some sort of stigma attached if you are, if, if you are the staggler in the, in the, in the class. And I think with video games and with virtual learning, it, that goes away. And I think if you look at virtual, even though there's a bit of a stigma attached to games, but I know that um, there are medical schools now who are teaching hand-eye coordination um, using video games. I know the government and military and the police have started using that. I know race car drivers um, and actually drivers in certain countries and are required to play a driving video game just to get a better understanding of situational awareness uh, and, and hand-eye coordination. And the best part is the cost. It's a low-cost way of developing your skills and low risk versus developing hand-eye coordination in, in the real world where the cost can all, almost always be uh, more than you want to pay. Yeah, and so many points there. I mean, just the what what are we learning? Is it uh, is it math? Is it uh, is it language? Is it history? Or are we trying to figure out how to function in an environment? And can we place ourselves in that environment so we have some context and and perhaps even get some feeling back from our interaction with that environment. And I'm, I'm just thinking back to just gaming in general, where uh, the whole point is to how fast can you press a button or can you memorize the path? I'm thinking Pac-Man here, right? Or Miss Pac-Man. You have to memorize the path and how fast can you do that same path over and over and over to get to the next level. So I'm just wondering if, if there's comparing it to like a structured education where you're going to learn this every to your point carrie everybody's going to learn this about the same pace and are you what are you learning or are you just memorizing something um and do you get the context of that situation you're learning about what how do you i guess the big question i always have is how do you apply what you quote unquote learn to real life right and i think that's where games have have a huge role in again kind of presenting to you perhaps a a world if it's history a world where that particular event took place so you can actually visualize it better and and perhaps even feel it better in a different way and then maybe even connect it to to uh, your current world your current situation so I don't know carrier uh, how do how do games are, are 
And I guess the other question is how do we try to hide the learning in the game or are we explicit with you're about to learn <laughs> you're not, now have fun doing it or what's what well, I think the best part, um, the, the, two things I mean, the best part about games is that you don't have to hide or be explicit I mean they're just there I mean, it, it's just part of the game and I think it, it forces you to learn how to strategize it, it forces you to, I mean I was I was, uh, I was playing a game I'm trying to learn a couple of languages um, and I was playing this game and then the whole whole the fact that it's gamified the whole thing it it, it, it subconsciously you are learning while having fun and i think that's that's the beauty of, of learning by video games that when you want to structure a situation it's, it's a very okay you, it's a very dry and clinical way of learning it's like like you said mark or like are you really memorizing stuff or are you really or learning how to think but i think in games inherently the way the games are designed you are learning how to think and I think that's so important, right? I mean, so any skill, when you learn how to think about how to apply that skill, that those lessons stay with you for life versus, hey, read these five chapters because that's what they're going to test you on. And that's it. And you forget all of that after um, after the test. And the other thing you mentioned was you can, I can actually go and relive World War II through games and actually truly historical, get a historical perspective. And I can go live, relive the moon landing. And then even though I was not born then, but that, that allows you to virtually insert yourself and sort of get a feeling of what it was like to be present and learn a bit more about that and have, have a sort of a better perspective about all of that. And I think that's, that is, and that you can't get from, from reading the book or even in a classroom. And that you have to be virtually inserted in an environment and interact with an environment for you to be able to get that, I think. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is, is kind of the point is, is that um, you can learn different things in different mediums. Um, a, a, a book is really good for very slowly and carefully building context through words on a page. A book is good for, you know, let's let's say presenting, you know, you can have a textbook that is presenting equations and algorithms. Um, you know, it's, it's presenting a, a 2D image there that shows you a bunch of context on that image. But um, if you have a game, it's, um, you know, games, whether it's a video game or it's a game in real life, um, games are, are, are spatial. Um, you know, the, the, there's movement, you, you are immersed and in, in the middle of them and they're much better for practicing, for doing and being. Um, and so um, a, a game can, because of that, be much better um, at, um, you know, because it can do that immersion, you, it can throw you into something and, and potentially build empathy because it can build context. It can say, you know, in, in the same way, you know, frankly, that, uh, that, that a film can, you know, that, that a, a teacher in a classroom can, can be like, well, I can tell you about uh, World War II, or I can put this movie on and have you watch 30 minutes of this documentary and have you understand it, um, or we can, you know, have you pull out your iPads and all of you go into it, um, you know, or, you know, in the future, you know, eventually, you know, it's, oh, everyone here put on a headset and then look around and and we're going to walk you through it together. Um, but but games with that 3D component, that that spatial awareness can can give you the sense of doing and being and feeling um and and you know if, if you think about it that that can come through the interface of a computer but it really you know it starts with things like soccer that you go like well i can i can sit down and explain to you the movements that you're going to do in soccer um i can write them down and show you what those look like and give you images of soccer but it's going to be a lot more effective if I throw you a ball and you kick it. <laughs> well, I think that, that's a that's a great point you made there, Raf, about about testing outcomes in in a in a risk free, cheap manner. I mean, that's one thing games allow you to do. I mean, if you take it soccer. I mean, if a coach wants to practice a, I mean, traditional way, it's like they draw certain moves on a board and they go and practice. But now you can actually test the outcome and you you can sort of simulate the your opponent opposing team and you can test outcomes of your strategy and this could be for just about anything and that's one of the things that games allow you to do that learning through games that it's a low cost low risk way of testing your theory or hypothesis and then basically saying yep this can now be applied to real life with uh, with a fair degree of certainty because you've tested all the scenarios 
So I think definitely big part of the future of games. All right. So my question here is, I mean, totally agree. We've always been using gaming. I mean, even in, I don't know, kindergarten parents. I mean, you play with kids to, to teach them how to do things. And, and they know that. I mean, maybe at the beginning they get tricked. And it's like, oh, it's a game. Cool. And then it's like, okay, but I'm also learning something. There are books that you color. I mean, it, you can't understand that. But now I'm thinking in the future, as we're moving in, you know, virtual reality and everything. I mean, we know all the application of uh, training, simulation, you know, even phobias that you can cure or at least help by using simulators and stuff. And I'm wondering, are there already any any reports and numbers and research on the fact that is it as effective, like compare with actually doing something with, with the game component versus being completely virtual instead of hands-on? I mean, virtual hands-on. Um, I'm just curious is if we if we're gonna achieve the same the same result. Do you guys know anything about it? Um, I know, I know that there are a couple of things. I know uh, for police training, and they were using a couple of video games to basically um, fine tune or hone up the the reaction time to react, uh, sort of to to any situation. And they were they they thought it was pretty helpful. Um, and I know there's a company out of UK who. Um, who's created a surgical simulator that allows doctors to basically um, train residents really quickly in, in like they, they, they can simulate a sort of a, a ruptured artery while you're in a surgical procedure to basically create that whole sort of a critical situation and then develop awareness around how to deal with that without again actually doing, because it's, it's hard to do this in a cadaver. I mean, there's no, so this allows them to actually simulate real life situation and test outcomes. So there is definitely improvement. It, it has cut short the cost and the training time for doctors and even for the police people to basically learn these things. So so definitely um, introduce um, more efficiency in the whole educational system, if I may. But I was wondering point, more about kids, because I mean, maybe an adult, just to pinpoint the, the conversation, you know, maybe Maybe an adult is more conscious, like, okay, I'm doing this. I know it's a simulation, and I'm learning a skill, a new skill. Well, is it I don't know how the training they, and learning. I don't know. So yeah, I know my nephew's skill. They, they're doing something similar. I mean, they, they, um, they've got these sort of, um, I think, some sort of reward system where they get, um, they, they give them... I mean, of course, they give them Xbox or PlayStation cards, but then you've got to to get to that. You you're solving a bunch of physics and math problems, so it forces them to sort of go through that. And so they're using this more of an incentive uh, situation. And they've got they've introduced a few physics games where they are actually teaching them about moving objects from one place to the other, and then seeing who's most energy efficient in moving stuff. So they're teaching these concepts in a less um, in a more interactive manner without the whole hey this is a formula if you use this this is why it's efficient so definitely i think i think given given the our exposure to so many different stimuli i think that seems to be that that that's something people are adopting i think there's a lot of learning going on in school through games i think also teamwork is something that i think a lot of schools are teaching teamwork and collaboration <laughs> through games no 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 roth are, are, are there any concepts that that carries mentioning kind of moving things around, right? Which does it more energy efficiently. And it just <clears throat> makes me wonder, are there concepts or learnings that we can do through games that maybe isn't possible in the real world because we don't have access to uh, certain things? I'm just thinking, well, is uh, how much does a bottle of milk way compared to a, a rock or so i don't know right mm -hmm. so uh, are there other things we can actually explore and learn through games that yeah. we wouldn't otherwise yeah yeah and i i think um so like using that example you can do physics simulation um you know, you, you you can you can teach 
you, you can't necessarily teach the mathematical formulas, but you can show them in practice, um, you know, because games are, are, are experiential. Um, you know, you, you go through the experience and, and you can go through it and replay it and you know, do different variations to test things out. Um, you can also sometimes understand context uh, because you can illustrate it. You know, th there was a, a group recently um, over in the UK that wanted to get into illustration of climate change. And so they, uh, they uh, built out a you know, a little simulation in, in Minecraft that sh that showed, um, you know, this particular town and what would happen if 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 uh, there was flooding from torrential rains, and so like the notion of like this is how the town is going to change, um, you know, showing a a simulation. You know, yeah, it's in Minecraft and Minecraft is cartoony, but sometimes you know, like that's the equivalent of of like throwing on a cartoon that's illustrating things. But then the kids are in the middle of that. Um, and so the fact that they can look around and they can explore at their own pace and they don't have to just watch a passive image, but they can walk through it and go like, oh, this is a representation of my house. And this is what happens when it looks like uh, my town is flooded. Um, so, yeah. And, 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 you know, you can go from that, uh, from a game on a flat screen to, you know, putting on a VR headset um, the folks at the Stanford um, Virtual Human Interaction Lab, um, they would do simulations, which would be like, this is what it feels like to have a fear of heights. Um, and, you know, then on the other side, medical groups can, can use that trauma of like snakes or spiders or fear of heights or other things to expose people to that and then kind of pull them back from it. So you can, you know, you can run a simulation as many times as you want. You can change it around. You can try to work to lessen someone's trauma, um, and you can, you can expose them to a thing, to either build empathy for one situation or to desensitize and go like, oh, you know, spiders are, you know, spiders may not be a thing that you like, but you don't have to be terrified. You don't have to be frozen. Um, you can get through it. Or, you know, this is what it's going to feel like to be on the side of a cliff. Um, and yes, there's a long fall. Um, we're exposing you to that virtually, but um, it's better to be able to get through it and not to freeze or fall over. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, putting you into a situation, controlling that, and then trying to get to a result um, is, is definitely useful in video games or in virtual reality. I think you've mentioned a very classic game, Minecraft, and I think that's a great game where the learning happens uh, without you knowing. I mean, kids are learning about physics and architectural concepts. They're learning about design stuff. They're, they're literally learning fairly complex science, uh, uh, technical sort of knowledge without actually going through the books. I mean, if you, are, if you look at young kids building stuff in Minecraft, and they, they are, they're exploring physics concepts. Um, because they just want to build better fortresses and better stuff, and then they understand the whole strategy. So that that stuff, only that that bit, which comes from gaming, um, if it's almost it's really hard to to sort of um, bring it out of a virtual world and, and do the same thing in in physical. I mean, there, there's nothing I can think of in the physical world that that replicates that. With this, allows you to create your design and leave it, and then others come and sort of in a way. They either break it or that you then break it. So you, you're learning through through sort of peer reinforcement. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, so I mean, there you have it. That, that's a classic example of learning complex technical skills or at least knowledge without really learning through books. And so by the time these kids go on and they, if they do decide to take on some math and physics classes in, later on in life, some of the concepts are going to become so clear to them and they'll understand. So learning itself might be easier for them because they've already been exposed to doing some of these things, which we didn't have as a kid. So I'm, I'm going to be the, the old man like, oh, back in my days, things were so much better. <laughs> or, or, or the devil's advocate. So I could totally see the application for that. Like you could actually see the effect of mathematics formula physics and you can build a bridge and say well what what the position of 
you know, what it is supporting. I mean, real, you know, the weight of of whatever is going over the car, the train, or and then it, there is the other side, which is there are other things where I think that if you show instead of letting the kids imagine and creating his own world in, in his own head, like you do when you read or you listen to the radio, I like to say, I like to watch the radio because I can visualize the, the description that they give me. Right. Or if I listen to an audiobook, I, I like to, to create that world. And if you watch a movie, for example, that world is created for you. I mean, we talk about it was a, a, a dark and stormy night in two episodes ago. And how do you represent that versus how you represent it in your head? So I'm kind of playing the both thing. Like I can see that for certain things, the, the visual gaming, it's, it's important. You can do a lot more on the other the imagination and maybe the actual physical hands-on in, I don't know, creating the lever instead with your hands instead of building it. Of course, you can't simulate, again, a rocket that goes to the moon. So maybe we need both. Uh, I guess that's my point. Well, you, you can actually simulate rockets that, that go to the moon. <laughs> NASA does that all the time. It's going to be rather expensive for the moon. Yeah, <laughs> but not a kid. I mean, no, I can, no, you're right. I can fire can up. Teach... A... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you can teach stuff. concepts of that. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. You can teach concepts of that to kids. And, okay, if you want to send this object to the moon, you, you'll have to put this much sort of rocket fuel in it. And you can only have – so you can teach the basic concept. But to your point, Marco, I think um, – the, the movies have a very defined, if, if you look at it, that's why they say books are always better because it's your in, individual perspective that colors colors your imagination and then lets you live that. But movies sort of, it, it, movies I look at is like learning in a classroom. It's like standard stuff. Everybody gets to see the same stuff and then make what you want of it. So some people enjoy it. Some people don't really care much for it. But if you're not both that and add interaction and add gaming to it, it's sort of a bit of a hybrid, right? You still have the visual experience, but because you're interacting with it, you can add your own perspective and sort of create your own reality to an extent, um, which is never going to be as imaginative as the book because that's like our clean set, but, but it's also not going to be fixed as the movie. So it's sort of a bit of a good in-between hybrid in my mind, I think. Raph? Right. Well, well, so part of what you're, you're getting at there is, is that you can read a book and then you can imagine. And when you're imagining, you're, you're creating. Now you may be just creating in your own head um, and you may not be you know, going off into other tools. You, you could go from there and go, well, I imagined it. Now let me see if I can paint it uh, or can I draw it? Um, you know, th there, there's a creative aspect to imagining where you, you get your own sense of it. And you know, th and then you go like, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm watching the book adapt or the film adaptation of a book, and this isn't how I imagined it. How did you imagine it? You can go and draw that, or write it yourself, or um, you know, you you can um, paint um, images of the scenes that you had in your head. Um, but this is actually, you know, this is kind of an interesting component of um, you know, parallel to play is is creation. Um, you, know, you can be creative, and in being creative, it's not quite play, but it's a very close complement. Because, you know, if you think about it, you can you can sit down and you can paint a scene, you can write a book, you can uh, you you can draw with with pen or, or pencil or crayons. Um, you can, um, but you can also sit down on a computer and you can go okay, let me see if I can sketch that out in Photoshop or Illustrator or another tool like that. Um, and, and that, you know, like one of the things that we sometimes forget is, is that um, in making video games, just like in, in making film uh, or TV or animation, someone sat down and started with a script and then said, okay, let me see if I can visualize that and make it into a world for somebody else that in order for there to be that play, there has to be someone who does some amount of work and 
you know, creativity to manufacture a thing and then put it in front of you and say, okay, now play in this space. So I wanted to throw that in because it can be considered work, but I, I, I often consider creative endeavors, creation to be a little bit different from formal work and also kind of different from formal play where you can go, okay, I'm going to practice and now I'm going to play this, this, uh, you know, this sonata that I've learned. Um, I, I've, I've, I've got a guitar and I'm going to play the song. Um, but you, you play and you perform, but prior to doing that, you might have done 10,000 hours of just, can I get the basic chords? Um, so creation um, is an important step because sometimes you need it in order to, to create the, the spaces for other people to play. And I like... I'm kind of going back to the, the soccer thing, but using your uh, guitar example, uh, Raphael, where I can see a game where, well, how exactly do you need to hold your fingers on the neck, right? Which, which fingers on which strings, um, it may feel uncomfortable, but that's the best way because why? Because you're going to switch to this other chord and you need your fingers in that position to quickly switch to the next one. And, only through seeing that and, and seeing somebody else do that might I actually learn that. And I think so having examples is, is really cool. And I'm going to, I'm going to switch it now using that um, perhaps to a dark side, <laughs> but um, games where we are presenting a world that is a bit uh, fantasy where to your, to your point, Raphael, where, we have a script. We say this is the world we want to create. We're we're pushing the technology to the limits to create that world, and we're stretching the imagination of the creator of that game to create that world. And in there, we might uh, use I don't know cars that can drive faster than they really do, or or people can swim underwater longer than they uh, than they really can, or. Um, people will get shot and come back to life, even though they probably should have died where they got any those types of things. Are, are we in, in jeopardy or in danger of teaching things that aren't real? And are, are we, are kids going to learn things that, that may put them at a disadvantage because they think that's how real life is? No, I mean, there's no? definitely <laughs> uh, my answer is no. <laughs> I think there's definitely some sort of desensitizing that goes on when you show people, especially violence and all fantasy worlds where you show, hey, look, I mean, what's that game? There's a big game. I can't, I'm not going to name it here, but where you can basically go and be chased by car cars and still come on tops. And so it does, there is always that. So to that point, I mean, games alone cannot be the only method which you learn. I think it's, it's got to be games. Games at best sort of are more of an enhancement to to the current methods, and I think we've got to be careful where we don't make games the primary teaching method. I think it's a great tool to to add to a, a whole bunch of other tools tool sets we can use, but I think we're far from where we can just use games to learn stuff. So you're right; there's a dark side. Uh, well. Sorry, I, I'm sure Raphael wants to get on this, but I, it's the same thing that there are books that are made for learning. They're called school yep. books, academy, and academic books, and so on. And you know, like I'm reading these for a biography. I want it to be true. I don't want bullshit in that biography. I want to learn the truth. But then I can take the Lord of the Ring and all of a sudden there's magic rings. And, uh, you know, I mean, we grew up with that. I mean, even if you look back into the Grimm's brother, I mean, kids get eaten. And uh, well, <laughs> not, not the Disney gets... version of it. Not the Disney, the Disney one. Yeah, but, but, but the one that were really teaching moral, they were those that are, you know, uh, storytelling through tradition you know, like uh, nobody questioned how the huntsman uh, free, uh, you know, 
the, the, the grandma from the stomach of the wolf. That's okay. It's, it's a story. It's still teaching me something, though, right? So I think the distinction is knowing what you're learning, right? So a video games, yeah, I want to be able to fly and defy gravity. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I'm doing a simulator, um, I, I probably want to have the reality check on how this airplane is handling because I'm actually trying to learn truth. Yeah. And, and see, I, I think that that's, that's a really interesting uh, point to, to, to learn truth. It, it's, it's important, um, especially when you're young, for parents and teachers and other mentors, family members, to expose you to a lot of things, but also to give you a baseline to work from. Uh, to, to, to be able to say, this is truth and this is fiction. Um, and, and yeah, the, their judgment calls there. Um, you know, if, if you're not going like, okay, this is how gravity works. Um, and, and you're instead saying like, this government is good or this government is bad, or the wolf is bad in the story and the pig is good. Or is the pig bad and the wolf is good? Everything is, is you know, it, it's a transmission of values um, in, 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 in fairy tales and folk tales. But, uh, but we kind of need some of that. And the biggest thing that we generally need is, is for young people to be given tools for critical thinking so that they can make up their own minds, so that they can be exposed to a lot and they can learn from it and go, okay, I just sat down and, and read Lord of the Rings and I can use it as an allegory for understanding um, world wars in Europe and I can see how um, Sauron can be an allegory for the rise of Nazism. But by contrast, I won't look at it and go, okay, this is how I should understand uh, diversity or representation of women. There's, almost, there's basically no women in it because you know if you think about it, um, a lot of a lot of Tolkien is coming out of this guy who's he was taking a very particular notion at that time of like this is what I want to present the world as, but he wrote the world that he knew, and that's not always the world that everyone lives in. And so it's important in anything that we're that we're experiencing to sit down and say, um, can I? How do I interpret it? What do I take from it? Um, what is real? What is fiction? What is important? What things do I let go or gloss over? I can't analyze everything, but I need to take some things out of it. And also, you know. It's, it's it's also useful to to in a game in particular where you're doing to sometimes be able to test boundaries and go like oh you know like I I have a, a cousin who loves to play The Sims um, and sometimes she will set up little dramas um, and sometimes she will do things to torment her Sims um, because if you think about it um, setting up drama and setting up you know pathos and suffering for her for her sims is kind of like when she's watching a soap opera or she's watching riverdale you know like because you don't want everything to just be boring for the sims uh, you don't want right. everything to be boring in a drama you want tragedy and then see how people work through tragedy and so it's not like she's being evil she's like well no i want to see drama <laughs> but she she will probably have done it as they did it in in the past or still do it if you play with dolls you know the doll may get into an accident the the, the little stove may get on fire and you as a as a boy you have a, a car crash right or you know it's not just a smooth you know formula one drive with no accident because that's not reality right i mean that's that's the thing i mean you well, you want to play and, and with that boring. balance yeah, and it's exactly. Yeah. You want challenge. You want conflict. You know, life is is about not seeing that everything is smooth and simple, but it's seeing how people work through challenges and find solutions to problems. Yeah. If there are no problems, then there's no fun, <laughs> because yeah. then things are too easy. <laughs> may May I ask a question? It's going to go in, away from what we're talking now, but I think it's pretty core core and correlated to the, the topic. So we, we were doing some episode in the past with people that are thinking about 
education, how we can change the educational system and so forth. And and one of the exciting thing that I, I find probably the most important is when, when you can use gaming or computer or artificial intelligence, whatever, that it, it and Carrie, you said that before, like it's just that you're teaching everybody the same thing. So th- we're talking about adaptive learning and teaching. So according yeah. to your skill, your passion, where you are at, you're not going to be left behind in the class because the program needs to move on, but you're going to be taken and bring it back up. Or if you're way ahead, you know, so I see a huge potential in gaming that could adapt in the teaching process to, and probably they already do it because, I mean, you go at your own pace, right? They, they, they absolutely do that. And I think that's a very important, I mean, look, we all, we all eventually end up learning stuff, but we take different paths to, to get there. And I think this is, this is the important bit in gaming where it's, it's teaching you the same concept, but letting you choose your own path to get to that. And I think that's super important. Um, I'm going to go back slightly back to the dark side. Which So I think part of the problem, so you mentioned books and stuff, Marco, and you mentioned how they teach you something, but if you look at it, I mean, the first exposure to books and the stuff comes from an adult in a kid's life, right? But if you look at games, games have got, kids can access games without adult supervision. I think that's where the, the sort of a discrepancy comes in where you can be exposed to certain aspects of life without any adult supervision and you, you can then start imagining that that is a normal way of doing things. Whereas a fairy tale, I mean, your dad or your mom or your grandpa or some some adults reading that to you the first time, and eventually you get to it. Um, so I mean, I was read Jungle Book when I was a kid, and I thought it was okay to go and pet bears, which I think would be a bad idea in a while. But but I, I think I think that's have, where have you that's tried? Is. Uh, no, have I, you tried? I tend to stay I tend to stay far away from <laughs> from from wild animals. I like looking at them from a safe distance. But yes, I mean, so so the learning bit, I think adaptive learning is a big thing. And I know, again, uh, certain engineering schools are uh, basically teaching, instead of telling me, hey, the formula for to build this bridge and calculate the weight load ratio is this, which is a very dry way, and you can't really understand. There's very few people who can actually think in engineering and math terms and visualize it. Most people, it'd be easier for them to say, here's a visual tool, if you add a bridge, and then basically calculate the formula. Now that gets embedded in your brain more permanently and said, okay, I did this. It generated this formula. So now I know if I'm going to do something similar, this is a formula. And that makes absolute sense. There's a connection between the formula and, and real life. And I think that's that's the important bit. That's where I think gaming is changing education, where you are able to visualize. I mean, imagine being able to visualize calculus. So fa- learning would be so much easier and fun. I mean, calculus is absolutely fantastic. It does so many complex things. Uh, um, and solve so many complex things, but we've we've got such um, such a clinical way of teaching calculus on with pen and paper, which again, like unless you've got a very math and physics sort of imagination, it, it's hard for most people to grasp the stuff. Most people, to your point, um, Marco earlier is that, or Sean earlier is that, are, are you just memorizing stuff and then <laughs> and then sticking it there and saying, oh, maybe that's how it works? There's there's no real understanding of the concept. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay dark here uh, still, because um, every it seems I don't, I don't know if everything is the right way to word to use here, but the majority of things we create these days are an abstraction that are visualized in a way that kind of take away how it all, all works. Kids today use an iPad or an iPhone or a, a phone, and they don't know that there's a cellular network and a and a SIM card and and a computer inside that <clears throat> that uh, lets them type and uh, transcode or translate voice into words. It it just does all that stuff for them. So to your point, Carrie, <clears throat> to be able to visualize um, calculus, we don't we no longer need to know calculus. And so the the dark part part of this for me is who is learning calculus? Are we are we just accepting? The current state of calculus, and this may be an ignorant point. <laughs> um, are we accepting math as it is, or how are we helping kids to learn how to extend what we know with math? 
I think I think um, I think the way we learn math and some of these these anything I think fundamentally is undergoing a shift. Right? I mean, I think because we've got access to so many different um, methods to learn besides just a blackboard and a, and a teacher and a book. I think the I don't think we are getting away from learning the fundamental, but I think just the way we we teach the fundamental is changing. I think we it's in my mind. I think it's easier for kids to learn the visual concept. And again, I'm going to use the Minecraft example where people are learning. Kids, really young kids, are learning. Hey, the load bearing capacity for wall. I mean, they may not know the formula to calculate it, but they inherently understand. And as they grow older, I mean, they introduced to some decent sort of algebra in grade six, grade seven, and they've, and they've been exposed to Minecraft, it's easier for them to sort of take the very cut and dry formula and add that to the visual stuff they've learned and say, okay, this is why it makes sense. I mean, it, is, it, is, it the, is it the silver bullet? I don't think so, but I think it definitely enhances the overall learning experience and, and, and yeah. it gets the kids more interest. I mean, try, try telling a kid, show him a math book and say, this is what you're learning. <laughs> See the reaction you well, get. And, and see, this, I think, is where it's important um, as, as kids are playing um, to also introduce, um, you know, introduce tools and introduce the notion that they can go from their imagination to things that can allow them to start to shape play, that um, it's, it's important not just to play, like it, it is important to play and to learn from play, but um, you know, more kids need to be exposed to the tools and structures that that shape that play. And you know, it could be like, okay, here you're you're playing soccer. Now we're going to give you some exercises and stretching and some things to practice, and then you're going to get better at soccer. Um, or Hey, you—you um, you liked reading um, you know, Tolkien and and Lord of the Rings. We're going to sit you down and have you try to create short stories and see if we can get you to organize your thoughts so that uh, the words flow and you have not a simple thing where it's like I did this. It's like no, we're going to get you to construct a narrative and. Now you're going to to take somebody else through that, um, and so I, I think you know, regardless of what form, what medium, it becomes important, you know, just to bring it back to that notion of of, of creation, to show people that play is a thing that's that can be structured, and they're they're, you know, it's like okay, you're playing soccer, now you're playing basketball, now you're playing football. These all have rules. This is how these work. Now take this and use this to go create your own game, um, and we're going to give you a few things. And you know, someone goes off and and makes Quidditch uh, or, or any number of other things. Like, you know, kids can go like, okay, we're going to do a thing that's kind of like baseball, but we don't really have all the bases, and we're going to do our own thing. Being creative, understanding that you can creative engineering. Yeah, That's that you, you you can you can build something yourself, because you know the other part. Like when I look at my own creativity, I know that part of it comes from my parents when I was young saw that I was often creative, but they also saw that like I would absorb bits of play stories and would regurgitate that. And they're like, okay, here, let's give you Dungeons and Dragons. You know, like they weren't like, oh, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is evil. They were like, no, you like the idea of stories. We're going to give you a thing to structure stories. Go, go make something with this. Here's Legos. Um, you know, here's a Texas instrument, you know, um, TI-99-4. Um, learn basic on it. Here's a Mac. Use it to create little animated videos. Um, giving people, giving kids especially tools, and then saying, use these to create and see what you come up with, because there's work in that creation, but there's still play, because you're being playful when you're making something. Um, whether you're, you know, you're like, I'm going to write Tolkien's lost story about, you know, Bilbo Baggins when he was 10 years old, <laughs> uh, or anything, you know, you, you invest your own imagination, but you actually yeah. have to structure it, and you have to build it. And that yeah. building is yeah. really important. 
Absolutely. I, I hate to do this because I want to keep going and we haven't touched into metaverse. So I was going to bring ready player one into the, yep. <laughs> into the game here. Uh, you just mentioned, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm thinking like now that you went back on, on Netflix and, uh, you know, the stranger things with the hellfire club, I think maybe a lot of kids that never even thought about playing yep. that. Maybe they are experimenting. So, but unfortunately, I got to call it off because uh, there is real life and we have uh, another call. But I would say <laughs> this is definitely episode one of this. Uh, so maybe we'll take it back. I would say that, yeah. Th there is a lot, there is a lot to, to talk about here. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're just kind of scratching the surface. And, yes. And I, I think that, that this notion of play and uh, learning and creation and performance and work and how those things all fit together yeah, there's a lot of rich stuff in there. And, and I know exactly what you're talking about with with Stranger Things and, and that sense yeah, of like... Right, of, we need of, to talk um, about that. Like, and, and we'll get into that in the next one, but like that notion of like misfit kids that get together and play because in some respects they're hiding because they're not allowed to fit into society. And so they find a way to go off and play to make sense of the things that they're going through. Uh, the yeah, play can be absolutely. an escape. It can also be a sanctuary. Yes. Does that mean I have to watch and the whole Stranger Things completely <laughs> end to end before the next episode? I did. <laughs> I did. So, or, or we'll recap it for you. <laughs> well, if you want to know Not about the Hellfire Club, you just go with the last uh, with the last uh, season. All right, we I gotta like go. The name Hellfire Club. Oh, it's pretty great. Uh, I'm thinking I'm gonna get the T-shirt too. So. Everybody stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as you can tell. We are having fun uh, having those. So stay tuned. There is already three episodes with the, the four of us talking about a bunch of stuff from video games to creativity and artificial intelligence to uh, many other things and many more. We'll talk about many more. So stay tuned. Audio Signals, IPSP Magazine. Thank you, Sean, Raphael, Kerry, and uh, yeah, thank myself too. See ya. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.